beautiful people and welcome to Teaching with Class podcast. Today we are on season four, episode four. We are going to learn tips that you can implement in your classroom right away. I'm your host, Monica Pujolnasev, and with us we have Jess Moorhead. She is a teacher in Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome, Jess. Thanks for having me, Monica. I really appreciate it. Would you mind telling us a little bit about you? Sure. Um, I, like you said, I live in Memphis, Tennessee, and not only am I a teacher, but I'm also a mom to a three-year-old. Um, and I am, he's adorable and talk about some big feelings there at the age of three. Um, I have a wonderful husband, two dogs. I've been teaching now for, I'm going into my 12th year. Um, for the first eight, I was self-contained in a second grade classroom. And now the last few I've been in third grade and yeah, I was in inner city Memphis and lower economic, like I was in the heart of like inner city schools and a low social economic status, like families, you know, lower income. Um, now I am at a much different school. Um, a lot of diversity, which I absolutely love. So Jess is here today to help us acquire new skills, new strategies. When children have those yucky feelings, even when you, my beautiful teachers, have those yucky feelings, and what are some strategies that you can use to support their social and emotional learning? In your classrooms. This is a hot topic. We know that. So yes. we are going to start the conversation and she's going to, she's so kind and generous to come and share what she's learned and uh, working with children and how to help them. Could you please tell us how you are so good at what you are? Well, I will tell you, it didn't just happen overnight. It's something that has taken a lot of just trying I'm putting myself out there, figuring out things that work for me. When I first started teaching, I did not, I didn't even realize how important social emotional learning was. You know, you always hear, think of the whole child, but I didn't, I don't think I truly knew what that meant myself as an adult. And I didn't realize how important it is to be consistent with that and how developing children and teaching them those skills and those strategies and what things look like and what things feel like how empowering that is for young people and even adults too, right? And I find myself having a lot of conversations with families too, to the just, you know, it just took time. It took time. It took time to get here and trying things and figuring out what works for me, figuring out what, what works for my students. Excellent. So what works for you as a teacher, and we're going to come back every time what works for your students. Because every year you get a new group of children with a, a new set of needs and characteristics and strengths. And every year you have to reinvent the strategies, but you have very good foundation that you know how to start and how to build on that. So let's start with that. Let's start with how do you help build that social and emotional climate in your classroom when you first get started? So the first two weeks of school, I don't even start curriculum. I don't. We focus on teaching children about how their brain works, 
We talk about our hopes and dreams and like setting the foundations with that. And then I have from there the next week we go into like my children, they create their own class rules. Um, I want them to take that ownership and have that, like have that conversation, what's important to them. And we come back to that drawing board. And then we also talk about the growth mindset and what does that look like? What's the closed mindset versus growth mindset look like? And just really setting that intentional purpose at the beginning of the year where we're building, like, how do we talk with one another? How do we do that in an appropriate way, right? How are we being kind, even when we disagree? I may not even, like I said, I don't start with the curriculum. So a lot of times it's just teaching kids how to talk to each other. Um, I find that a lot of times kids don't know how to come in and just have like hold that conversation, especially with so much screen time these days, or also parents, parents aren't having conversations with their kids the way that we used to have conversation. And so how do we respectfully disagree with people? How do we want to add on to people? If you hear something without like interrupting, also being a good listener and making sure that you're hearing what other people are saying so that you can intentionally add on to it. That's just kind of what I do at the beginning of the year to like set it up to where they take that ownership before even getting into the curriculum. And I always say that's an investment. So when you invest those two weeks into these skills, what happens the rest of the year? From there, I mean, you're just setting them up. They're starting to have that culture in the classroom and that climate where they're taking that ownership. And each time they come together, there's, you know, even with our discussion protocols, you know, they set the expectations for that. Every time we come to talk, you, you know, you have your talking points, you're being kind, you're giving kind feedback, you're using your accountable talk stems when talking, you're setting that expectation. So you're not necessarily like you're not managing behavior as much because they're taking that ownership of it. You're not focused on that negative behavior. That, that is so valuable for teachers, right? Teachers out there listening to this uh, podcast, that investment of two weeks will pay off the rest of the year. Seeing them, so enjoy every day and learning and being empathic to everybody. So it takes those first two weeks. And then I want you to talk to them briefly about what do you do every day to set that tone? Just to remind them. So I intentionally throughout the week, it's not a lot of time, but like 10 minutes every day. Some days 15, sometimes less, might be like eight minutes. But every single day during the week, I start off with, I call it my town hall. I know other people, there's, you know, they come to carpet time or they have opening circle or it's been called so many things. But I intentionally set my day every single morning for the first, say, 10 minutes. And each day, for me, what works for me is I have a purpose for each day. And so, for example, like on Monday, I, every week I have some kind of life skill or I have some, something that we're talking about that we're focusing on for the week. So I'll introduce it and I'll have a question. And we go around our town hall and we just talk about this question. And then every Tuesday we come back together and I go over whatever that skill is. I either teach it, we watch a video. It could be something about like being a buddy or how do you stay organized or what does it mean to be frustrated? And we have some kind of short activity with that. On Wednesdays, I call it Get Weird Wednesdays, but I'm always teaching kids like strategies and tools, right? 
if you have, even as an adult, if you have limited tools or limited strategies on how to get out of yucky feelings, I call them, then you, that's when you see those big eruptions, those big feelings where kids are yelling or screaming or, or crying and breaking down. It's because they have those limited tools to go to. So on Wednesdays, I, I give up like every Wednesday, we learn something new and we try something different and we can talk more about that. On Thursday, I call it my transformation Thursdays where I leave that day for like meditation, yoga. We might even have conversation around one of the feelings that we're working on for that week. It just kind of leaves it open to whatever it is. And so that's kind of what I do every day. I set, intentionally set the day where we are talking about these things. They're taking that ownership. They're being reflective in it. And then it just kind of stays with them the rest of the day. Like, all right, this is it. I can do this. <laughs> that's beautiful. So, and I bet that gives them a better day. The brain is ready to learn. And it gives you as a teacher a better day as well. You get to enjoy them and everything. Right. And I just do like, you know, and before we move on to the next thing, we always do some kind of check. Like, all right, let me see where you're feeling today. Like stand, kneel, or sit. Like if you're happy, you're ready to go then I want, you can stand. Maybe you, you didn't sleep great last night or, you know, you're not, you're not quite a hundred percent. You're not in the green. You can kneel or if like, you're just like had a horrible night or horrible morning, sit on the ground. And that quick little time check too, or like behavioral check gauge helps me as the teacher gauge, like, okay, where are they in their feelings? Um, all right. Now, you know where you are in your feelings. Let's be reflective of that. Hey, take a look around. Like if you have a friend sitting, they might need a hug or they might need like maybe ask them how they're doing today. I might pull them at some point during the day and be like, hey, what happened? Everything OK? Do you, do, you know, are you do you want to share something with me? Can I help in any way? And then also it lets them know like, OK, I'm sitting today. Like I might need to take a couple extra deep breaths or I might need to do some box breathing. Or I might need a body drum today a little bit to get me back in a good place, get out of these ucky feelings. And it helps them not be reactive because a lot of times that's what you feel. Like even as adults, we're that way. Like something happens and then you automatically react. You don't give your, yourself the time to like internalize and think about your feelings. And so I'm the biggest thing is yeah. yeah, getting the kids to take that ownership and to be reflective in their feelings. So I want to, I don't want to forget either branch of this, uh, the last piece you said. So let's start with, where are these yucky feelings coming from? And you just said, maybe they're tired, they didn't sleep last night. But I know it's an endless list of reasons where those feelings could come from. But can you uh, name some of them? You know, kids these days, they see so many things and they're experiencing so many things. It could be just a bad night's sleep. It could be that they were at grandma's house last night. It could be family issues. It could be traumas. Um, some of it could be things that, you know, they're seeing a lot of things on the computer that we didn't see before. Honestly, what I found this past year was with my particular bunch was they just didn't know how to talk to each other because a lot of school over the last few years has been done virtually. So just like teaching them how to talk to each other um, and, you know, understanding these yucky feelings. Yeah. Does, I don't know. Does that kind of answer your question? Absolutely. Because <laughs> you're mentioning simple things like 
maybe they were somewhere else sleeping last night and now they are like either missing the family or missing they didn't home, have breakfast you know they, breakfast, they forgot something in the house and they came to school without it so mom you know that. maybe mom screamed at them on the way to school you know the way that we may talk to children is not the way that children are being talked to at home you know and so right so the principle of trauma like the universal principle is okay we're going to assume that everybody has gone through some kind of trauma so above all we're not going to make it worse right exactly so when they come to the classroom and you teachers see this you get to to this point of something happened that's right. why these feelings so happen Right. And then I also find that, you know, conversations aren't being had. Like you think children, you know, young children, you think they, okay, they know what happy and mad is. And, but you think like, they don't know how to differentiate between their feelings, right? Like I'm finding that kids just like, oh, I'm mad. Okay. Well, are you really mad? You know? So I always teach them like your feelings are like a thermometer, right? When you're green, you're happy and you're calm. And then it kind of goes up and it, 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 you go into like the yellow and then the red is like, you go all the way. It's like the cartoon where you have like steam coming out of your ears, right? And I really spend time talking to them about the different feelings we have and like how they look and sound differently so that you can really start like talking about how you're feeling and that maybe you're not really mad. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're just irritated right now. Like somebody's irritating you. That's different than being angry, right? And so irritated or frustrated, you may just be in that yellow and it could be something simple, a simple tool or strategy to get you back into that green. And green's not always happy. It's just calm where you're not reactive. Um, but then we talk about like those big yucky feelings too, which is where you're like angry or you're so you're so mad that like steam is coming out of your ears, like when you're stuck there. And the biggest thing is not being stuck in those yucky feelings, but coming up with strategies and tools to like bring us back down to those feelings of calm to get us out of those yucky feelings. Yes, yes, yes. So it's normalizing that we will get to those levels of very yucky feelings. But the key is as teachers, during those first two weeks and then every day consistently and intentionally giving them those strategies so that they can get out of that space. Exactly. Like teachers, right? We yeah. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a lot of times, just like 10 minutes every day, set that purpose in the morning, have, you know, around that. And then, you know, normalize, I heard you say normalizing it. Absolutely. Like even when I'm in my feelings as an adult, I will talk about it. Like, instead of just like, you know, you see the in the movies or like all of us, there's been that time, especially when I was a younger teacher, I would just start yelling. And I, I can't, in the last few years, I can't, I don't even think I've ever yelled at a student, to be honest with you. Like, it's me emotionally, like becoming more mature, right? And just normalizing those feelings. Like right now, they'll come in, right now, I'm really frustrated with you boys and girls. Like, I need a minute. I'm going to go sit at my desk. I need to go take a couple of deep breaths, normalizing that and modeling what appropriate behaviors look like when you're trying to come out of those yucky feelings. Exactly. Exactly. I hope you teachers are identifying with this and it's okay that we have those feelings. We just have to learn to regulate ourselves and model how to get out of them, talking it out, saying it. 
and they are seeing you and they say, oh, she gets angry, but she doesn't hit me. <laughs> no, so absolutely. <laughs> no, I feel like I want to keep my job. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you make sure that the strategies work for your students, that they stay with them and they work? So one of the things that I do with my students, and I, you know, I worked with over the last 12 years, I've told you I've worked with seven to nine year olds, right? So young kids. But what I do is I have them like set, set intentional goals. And then, you know, at the beginning of the year, I, we pick strategies or, you know, their toolbox is limited, so to speak. But you know, like, what can you do when you're in a yucky feeling? Like, let's commit to three things. Let's set goals for ourselves. And then throughout the year, every quarter, we come back to it. And sometimes it can be in writing. Sometimes it can be in drawing, like drawing form. Also, sometimes it just could be conversations that we have. It's a planned day where we're reflecting on, hey, what strategies have you tried? You know, checkpoints throughout the year. Okay, We've learned a lot of new things on when get Wednesday, weird Wednesdays, right? We've learned a lot of new strategies, a lot of new tools. What can you commit to trying one new thing and just having that reflective mindset and then coming back to it? Okay, are the things you're using working? Um, what's not working for you? And then throughout the year, I just always have them go back and reflect on it. That That's so powerful to get them to reflect on the, the strategies they are practicing and if they're not working, but then it's the key. You are there to guide that conversation, to facilitate that reflection because we don't, especially at this age, right? And younger children, they need the adult to be guiding this conversation and then things start coming together. And this just made me think of a situation I had this year. So to give an example, it was maybe like February, March, I had a student, no, it was March. I had a student come up to me and was, Hey, Miss Moorhead, you know, I've been, when it, when I'm in group work, I get stuck in those yucky feelings. And I, I just, I feel like I'm not a good group member. Like I can't get along with my group. I, I just get stuck. And this isn't working for me. Like, can we have a meeting about it? And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've noticed like, yeah, you're not getting along with your, your classmates. Like this isn't working. <laughs> and um, the funny thing is, is I not, e I kid you not, not even that, not, not that night. I got an email from my mom. Hey, Miss Moorhead, my child came home and it's just, it's constant every day. Like I am not getting long in group work. Can we have a conversation about this? And I was like, absolutely. Let's have a conversation about this. But if we're going to meet, I want your child there. Your child needs to be there. I want them leading the conversation. I'm going to send some. I'm going to send my planning sheet home, and I want I want us to set three goals because it's not me not getting along with classmates. It's not you, and it's not. And they're like, "Well, I'm so sorry this is happening." Well, it's not you. Your child is getting stuck, so we need to come up with strategies that works for your child. And so we sat down, and you know, the kid is, "I'm just not a good group member," and you know, they can start getting negative that fixed mindset. Well, no, I just can't do it. Well, that's not going to work. Like, it's not going to work. Like, you have to do it. Part of your, you know, part of being in a classroom, part of being in, as you get up, you're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to go to work. And you're going to have to deal with people that you don't necessarily want to work with sometimes, right? 
So when we get stuck, what can work for you? So I had to sit there and this child, we had to come up with strategies. And so strategies for this particular child who isn't very, doesn't like to be super verbal was pulling out pictures of their dog. Something like that. I just let them take some, I was like, yeah, we could put some photographs in your folder. And when you start getting in that yucky feeling, you could pull out that picture of that pup pup and look at that pup. Sure. Or, you know, doodling or pushing, you know, trying a, a pressure point, you know, while you're sitting there getting frustrated instead of just yelling at them and having that reactive feeling, you know, maybe hit that pressure point, take your deep breath and then try responding after that. So you're speaking, and this is very necessary to hear, right? It's like, there's a set of strategies that we share, that you share in group. This is what we're going to try. This might work. But there's a point and there's a percentage of the children in your classroom who might need a more individualized plan. This sounds like it, right? Mm -hmm. So this specific boy, he recognized his struggle making friends or getting along with others, and he came to you. And he is nonverbal, not too verbal, you're saying. So Mm -mm. what would you say, what advice would you give uh, the teachers listening when we have children in the classroom, maybe they have, um, different levels of functionality, or maybe they're in the spectrum, maybe there's on a, other kind of uh, disability. That it, like, it can still work, right? It just takes what you said, individualization, right? It takes, sometimes it takes a different strategy. It takes, it may look a little different, you know? For those particular students, things that I've tried, it's about trying one thing, and if it doesn't work, that's okay, try something else. Um, we tried sentence starters, okay? Like you, one thing that's really important to you is you want to be able to add on c- to conversations. Okay, let's practice that. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Practice with me, practice with your friends. Try w- with the sentence starters, try maybe sticking, starting with something that's not necessarily curriculum or like something that is in their actual work, but maybe something with their personal lives. Like, if you know that they really love Minecraft, let them, you know, start by just like introducing it that way where, it, you know, it's not scary. It's something they're excited about. Okay, now before you respond, you can't hog the conversation. Part of it is actually listening and then you have to add on to that. So try different things with them. Say maybe throughout the year they get stuck on that. Then it's sometimes you have, maybe have to have an individual conversation with them and um, like a student teacher conversation and set goals for them where they're actually pulling things that they like. Because what I find is if I just say, hey, these are things I want you to try, then they may not take the ownership of it because it's what I'm putting on them, you know? Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. So I guess just it's okay to try things and if they work, wonderful. If they don't, that's okay. They say something else. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like when we do that, although we're talking about social and emotional skills, if it doesn't work, well, let's brainstorm, let's evaluate, why didn't it work? What else can we do? So this is even a cognitive process, right? It's not only emotional and social, it's also cognitive to come up with, okay, so what do I have to adjust that is going to work? And you do it with them. So that ownership is so important is what I Well, And it's so funny to just say it like this, but it's emotional intelligence, right? Like when you have intelligence, you have to like learn, you have to read, you have to study, you have to try things, right? Emotional intelligence is the same thing. 
It's trial and error sometimes. It's reading. It's having conversations. It's modeling. It's learning things, right? And when you say it like that, it sounds so silly. Like, it's like, oh, duh, I know, right? But I don't know. It took me a while to figure that out. I don't know if I should say that, but I did. And um, I would have to say that the teacher I started off as is not the teacher I, I am today. Thank you, Jess. So do you mind giving us one specific strategy or technique to help them when they are up here to help them calm down? What is one thing that has worked for you? Okay. So when you're near your healing, so like give you examples of what we do. Okay. These are fun. Some of them are fun. Some of them, you know, when you come into my room, like get weird Wednesdays are so much fun. So we try a lot of different breathing. So it could be counting backwards, counting, right? That's a great one. It could be taking in deep breaths. And then we try different, there's different types of breaths you can do. So uh, one of the ones that I find that they love as kids is called dragon breathing. Um, and it seems so silly, but you take a deep breath in. And then it's like a really loud exhale. It's like, ah, right? And it's just so much fun. Uh, we have um, box breathing. That's one of our favorites. But as you're, you think about a box and at first we'll like visually draw it with our fingers, but eventually it just becomes a visualization in your brain. But as your box is going up from the bottom to the top corner, you're breathing in. And then as you're going across, you're holding. As you're going down, you're releasing that breath. And then as you're going back, back, back across, you're holding. And then you just keep doing that until you come out of that yucky feeling. So eventually you see it in your brain, right? You're drawing up the box, holding it across, bringing it back down. And it's just different ways to get your brain thinking about something else long enough to control your yucky feelings. Because when you're in those yucky feelings, think about your body. You're tense. Your shoulders are typically up. You're holding that breath. And we talk about what this feels like and what this looks like. And when you're angry, you're here and you're tense, right? So what are different things that you can do to eventually like release that and bring yourself back down to that? And like I said, green isn't always happy. Just as long as you're calm and you're in a place where you're not being reactive. That is so, you know, uh, behavior is actually my specialty and I'm learning so much of strategies, specific strategies that are different. Because maybe you teachers out there listening, you've tried strategies. But all these ones, you're like, oh, let me try that one. That one might work for this one child. Oh, right. It work for the majority of the children. Thank you. Thank you so much. So will you give us one sent sentence starter? Something that teachers can start saying to a child or help the child say so that they can learn about their feelings and how to monitor them and how to step ahead in an action that is beneficial for themselves and for the, the children in the classroom and even the teachers. So one that I use is right now I'm feeling and I need. So one thing I'm feeling, so right now I'm feeling and I need. And the reason why is because they, then you are verbalizing to somebody around you, like maybe it's, I need space. Maybe it's, I need a minute or Maybe I need a hug, you know, like I, so one thing, so I'm feeling and I need, that's the one that I use. And then you could just, any other sentence starters of just like practicing how to have conversation with people. There's tons of those out there. Lots of them, you know, I want to add on. I respectfully disagree. 
the list goes on. Do you mind if when I'm working with my teachers directly, I give them that one? I'm I feeling and I need. I I'm feeling too. and I need. I love that one. Thank you, Jess. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's start summarizing what's happening. Let's give our teachers three takeaways, three things that they can take, implement immediately to help their children check on their feelings, get out of those yucky feelings, and have a better experience, a better interaction in the classroom with teachers and with their peers. So I've really been thinking about this and some takeaways that I would say is one, be consistent and come up with some kind of plan, right? You know how I was saying like on Monday I do this, on Tuesday I do that. But the, so the plan is more so for me and also for my students so they know what to expect, but also the consistency part of it. Kids thrive on a schedule and they need that. They need that time. And it just sets the intention and the purpose for the day. So one, planned and consistent time, right? My second one would be give tons of tools and strategies. The more tools and strategies you are giving these kids, the more that they can, you know, how I kept talking about try things and see if it works or not, the more tools you give them, the more successful they can be. And then my last one would be is have the students take ownership of it. So have them set their goals, have them revisit those goals, and then also have them reflect and rate themselves on things. Like, yeah, I, I'm really great with this. Uh, I don't feel good about this. Like this doesn't, this doesn't work for me. And so have them take that ownership. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time being with us. I'm sure the teachers out there are so excited too. They hear something, something that resonated and they're going to go try tomorrow with their children or later today. I'm just really excited to be here today, Monica. Thank you so much. And I just, you know, I, I just love this kind of work um, and it's just so passionate to me and I love it. And I was just, I'm excited to share what works for me in my classroom. And I just want to repeat what you said before, that teacher you were in the beginning 12 years ago is not that teacher you are today. You've grown, observing your children, learning from them, learning from their behaviors, and then you have come up with these strategies and you have researched and learned and you have applied, which is exactly what we are trying to inspire teachers to do. Isn't that funny too? That's what we ask our students to do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you again. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Teachers of the World, you can find today's episode and transcript on our website, teachson.com slash podcasts. And thank you, Architects of the Brain, for sharing your love and wisdom with the children of the world and for being here to add to your box of wonders. I'll see you next episode. Bye-bye.